Every journey begins with a question. Our journey begins with this one. How can we lead to make the world better? Here we explore that question through journeys of great success and accomplishment, confronting challenges and overcoming obstacles with leaders from around the globe whose experience covers a vastly diverse range of background, sector, role and expertise. One common thread unites them all. They are all leaders striving to make the world better. They are all better world leaders. I'm Tim Collins, host of the Better World Leaders podcast and founder CEO of 4 Eye Leadership. Welcome to today's journey with another inspiring and insightful leader who shares their experiences and learnings as they progress on the path to make the world better. Welcome to the halfway point of season one of Better World Leaders. The intention of this episode is to provide an introduction to the purpose of this podcast, as well as an overview of the four guest conversations broadcast so far, and a look forward to the four episodes that lie ahead. In each season, the conversations are with leaders who are shaping our world for good, showing how for-profit business, not-for-profit organizations, as well as research, high-performance, and cutting-edge initiatives can all be applied to a single impetus of leadership. That leaders of all levels can be a force for good. That leaders with any amount of influence and experience can do more to improve the world. That leaders from all walks of life, from anywhere in the world, can aspire and act to become the greatest of leaders. They can all be better world leaders. So just to begin the conversation today, I wanted to start by setting out why I choose to work with leaders, which is based on this hypothesis, that leaders create the world that we experience and largely define the world we live in. And that if we have better leaders, we can have a better world. That's been the governing paradigm of my work for years and the founding tenant of 4i Leadership, but expanding the message to a public forum like this, frankly, took a shock to initiate. The concept of this podcast is, has been around 18 months old and was reasonably fully formed as it was conceived, I'd say, but, and it became an irresistible flame that I couldn't hold myself back from, but I didn't prioritize the full development or release of this until earlier into, into 2020. The devastating impact of bushfires in the region where I live, which was only a small part of the worst fire season in living memory in Australia, roused me into action. In particular, this call to action was ignited by a comparison I made in the immediate aftermath of the fires with another climatic disaster that I experienced years ago in Morocco. I won't go into detail on this now, but the article I wrote depicting the comparison between these two experiences has been one of my most popular to date, which really surprised me and received thousands of views, likes and shares. And the feedback showed me that this experience of a real drive to impetus and, and, and an ignition of a, of a modality of change and doing something positive compared with not doing enough back then. That comparison was of both interest and some inspiration to other leaders who similarly feel the call to do whatever we can to make a positive impact. So this podcast is my endeavor to help the world. 
by sharing conversations with leaders striving to make our world better in various ways. And doing so in a way which I hope will be engaging, enthralling and inspiring, as well as informative and instructive, so you can build your capability as well as your desire to go forward as a leader, better prepared and more able to have a positive impact for good in whatever arena you choose to lead in. Now, I am not a great inventor about to produce the technological solution for our ills or a a powerful politician with the influence to force change, let alone a well-funded financier who can accrue impact with advertising or promotion. I believe in groundswell, in creating movements and in building community. That is the modality that I believe is the most sustainable way to initiate and maintain momentum. This is not about me. It's about you. It is about us and those like us who do what we can to take the small steps each day, every day, to make a consistent progression towards a better world. The guests are the rock stars, the change makers, the pace setters. They are the ones who provide the guiding lights so that we can all follow as well as learn from their journeys and understand how we can apply their experience to increase our ability to do more, be more, and make better. I only hope that with the compounding of time spent with such brilliant people, such inspiring minds and impressive actions, that I will learn where the consistencies lie, interpret the patterns that emerge, and be able to convey here where the commonalities can be seen that provide us with the roadmap so that we too can become better world leaders. And so, on into the overview of the first Better World Leaders conversation with Paul Dunn. So this first conversation with Paul Dunn, who is the chairman of B1G1, a not-for-profit based in Singapore, which is essentially a a giving aggregator for business, was just a fantastic place to start. And I've included this short extract at the very beginning of the conversation with Paul, where he very generously sort of defined that this podcast is, in his words, essentially perfectly timed for now. But I'll leave the, the, the quote to come from the great man himself. So... Just to touch on a number of the key themes that emerge from this conversation with Paul, which I'd very much encourage, as with all of the guests so far, you if, if you'd like anything that is covered as a highlight here, you can go back and, and review the conversation in full yourself. So for Paul, one of the key, I suppose, sort of tenets of his work has been that leaders are at their best when they're giving. And yes, giving philanthropically and you know, making that feel good donation but really giving of themselves you know that leadership is about sharing you know sort of without an expectation of an immediate return and sharing of your experience and your kindness and your support and compassion for those that you lead and that really for Paul as a leader your first customer your number one priority and those that should receive your focus and your priority first are your team that your customer is your team is your first customer And that born out of that has come for Paul um, 
I think this fantastic way of leading the organization that, that B1G1 is um, and all of the, the contacts that I have had with the greater organization since first interacting with Paul uh, has very much resounded of this sense that you know, they look out for each other and look after themselves and they've created this fantastic value-centric culture as a result of that. And B1G1 itself comes out of this vision that um, a mentee of Paul's, um, Masami Saito, had of imagining a world where every time business is done, something great happens. And as I think as of a volition of making the world better, I, I think, frankly, that's hard to beat. That every time an email is sent or every time a, an outbound phone call is placed, that simple action, which is done millions of times a day around the world by businesses and not-for-profits alike, that could trigger something great. You know, a, a giving action that has a resonance that really compounds the size of the of the donation um, in terms of helping others and making the world better. And that all of that really for Paul is encapsulated by purpose. And that as a leader, in Paul's words, you need a higher purpose than yourself in order to thrive and perform at the highest level. And that following our purpose gives us and allows us to convey certainty and that certainly at this time with everything that we've been through as a, as, a, as a people and a species recently that certainty is the key element that we need and that purpose is the key to to unlock that certainty so i'll i'll, I'll leave that there and, and and just take you now into a, a short extract from the conversation with paul on purpose and certainty on that thing in just a moment okay um so uh, so i think that one of the things that leaders need to do is to have something bigger than themselves right that 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 that, that, that's absolutely you've got to have that right it's some underlying purpose that is bigger than yourself and 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 so the purpose doesn't become you know to be the best XYZ company or something like that. I, I, I was in a conversation with uh, with Simon Sinek and and, uh, and and Simon put it this way. He said, "True purpose is human," and and that that's such a perfect encapsulation uh, of it. Um, so yeah, I, I, and 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 then uh, you know once you've got that, it is then you know, it just becomes this, it becomes like this magnet that drives you. And so the, you know, the way I talk about it is just by putting in front of it, I get up every morning too. And once you, once everybody can be very clear about it, I get up every morning too, you know, and then express that in the bigger picture. And by the way, just on that, um, um, you mentioned Singapore before and not too many people realize, although when you look at history, it's obvious uh, that Singapore is uh, is uh, is 54 years old. Um, everybody thinks it's a bit older than that, but when you look back, it's not actually. And there's a there's a government building here which is called the Urban Redevelopment Authority, mm. and the first three floors of that are devoted to where Singapore came from, where Singapore is, and where Singapore going. And uh, what often happens is, of course, people who are you know, B1G1 members from around the world kind of visiting someplace and they happen to go through Singapore. And so we frequently get calls saying, oh, you know, can we have a cup of coffee? You know, that sort of stuff. Right? And where I take them, if we have time, is the Urban Redevelopment Authority. And I, because it's just an amazing metaphor for how you grow a business. Because when you started, you know, 54 yeah. years ago, when we started, there was nothing. We didn't have water, we didn't have 
Venture didn't have any of that. Right? Um, so anyway, I'm, I'm doing this with a guy out of uh, out of Melbourne, and this this uh, this guy uh, is there with his family, and he's uh, an accountant, and he's very very successful. And we're going through and looking at one of these displays, and uh, and I'm sort of moving on, and Matt is is stuck to the spot. And he's looking at this thing, and and I say, hey mate, come on. He said, no, no, no. He said, Paul, just come and look at this. And what he's looking at is a, 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 a plaque, and the plaque says across the top of it, our fifty-year vision. So it says. And he's he's riveted to the spot, and he said, uh, he used slightly different words than I'm about to use here, but but, but he said. Look at that, a country with a 50-year vision. And, you know, I, I hadn't realized that. And by the way, right next to it was, here's how we update that every year, and then it goes down to the 10-year vision, <laughs> all of that kind yeah. of stuff, right? Yeah. Sort of thing that you talk about uh, in, in relation to moving companies forward and having that, you know, that amazing sort of vision there. Um, and of course, you know, one of the things that is hopefully that when we get through this, you know, we'll realize that having something bigger than ourselves is really the key and having, being able to uh, really articulate in super ways, you know, how we, uh, uh, the, the kind of thing that drives us from a human point of view. And, and when we do that, no doubt at all, the world is going to be an infinitely better place. In episode two, the conversation was with Simon Glendenning, global financial services executive who started his career with an entrepreneurial endeavor, which he successfully sold before moving into corporate and then running right up the ladder and moving all around the world, leading business units in Europe and Asia before returning to another entrepreneurial endeavor in Australia. And really growth and service level excellence were the clear twin hallmarks of Simon's career. And the the excerpts that I've drawn on here are, are sort of split between, you know, three really standout, you know, sort of leadership pieces of advice, as well as two which reflect more on life as a leader and how to say sustain and maintain high performance yourself over a long term period. So the thing that I really focused in on is the core theme of this conversation was that Simon, and I was very pleased, I have to say, to see the reflection on values, which is something that I you know, bang on about all the time in my leadership work, that Simon had this fantastic descriptor that unstoppable teams really have three things. They have values at their core. They have a clear focus on providing a great service to their customers and that they then have a great sense of pride both in their values and the level of service that they provide and I thought what a superb depiction of that simple concise but very powerful combination to create as Simon describes it an unstoppable team a growth orientated unstoppable team and another key one again which resonates very strongly with me and and, and, and resounds the work that we do at 4i is that culture and attitude drive growth. You can have capital, you can have funding, you can have the best and most brilliant ideas, but if you lack a cohesive culture and a values-driven attitude, then growth will inevitably falter and you will under-deliver on your potential. And we did also focus specifically on 
you know, the topic of the day, you know, business in, 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 in the COVID crisis, you know, Simon and I were in our respective zones of isolation when we had this conversation earlier this year. And one of the key messages in that part of the conversation came from Simon around the best way to grow in a crisis, in his view, was to enable your teams with empowerment within very clear parameters and that that is the best way to grow in a crisis. Let people do what they do best, but give them certainty to reference Paul Dunn again, and give them very clear sort of operating processes and parameters within which to operate, and then basically let them get on with it. And then when the conversation turned, you know, more, you know, towards, you know, the life of an executive leader and, and how you can sustain yourself, there were two very specific points in the conversation that, that, that I really enjoyed and, and I thought were very, very significant from Simon. One was to not attach happiness to specific goals, but to focus on the end game and more so to be empowered by the overall purpose. Again, a, a clear correlation with Paul Dunn in the previous conversation. And also to have uh, you know, curiosity to your leadership, to have a growth mindset and to keep learning is a great way to find balance between life and work. And that you know, in, in being curious about the way to excel in both, you will find yourself learning and becoming a better leader and a better person and a parent and a husband at home as well. I'll just take you into this short sequence of the conversation with Simon Glendenning. So, um, through that, it's a lesson for me, and I was really fortunate to be working with probably one of the strongest leaders I've ever worked for, Kerry Agiosotis. Um, just really clear communication. Myself, um, personally, I knew exactly what was expected of me. That made it very easy for me to then further communicate to my staff and for us to be able to um, deal with our clients. And it was often, you know, it was multiple times a day, um, messages, updates. And, um, you know, normally it it would sort of seem too much, but at the time it was perfect because, we were just always on it, and um, you know, we came out of the, out of that with um, we actually won an award in the year following for um, the uh, we rated the best provider in Australia in terms of customer service, and, and we actually had grown our market share. Um, it's probably my first one is probably something that it, it may be starting to sound a little bit cliche, but it's all around growth mindset. And uh, I think a lot of people think they have one, but the moment you really start to, to get into a conversation with them or, or even help people understand the sorts of things going through their own head, um, you know, they, they can be quite limited by their own beliefs or certainly biased by them. And so I would, the, one of the first things I would recommend uh, leaders and especially new leaders do is to start to learn more about growth versus fixed mindset. Uh, it, it can just completely open up your willingness and potential to learn, which um, is probably the second thing. You always try and be learning um, and, and can certainly change your outlook and the way you start to see opportunity. Um, the other one I think is, is make sure you provide yourself with a balanced environment. Um, I was certainly guilty of, of burning the candle at, at both ends uh, with lots of travel and, um, and really just sort of working all hours nonstop. And uh, I, I just learned through experience that actually the more balanced I became, 
and by staying home and having breakfast with my kids rather than being in the office at 6.30 in the morning, uh, I actually got more done and actually enjoyed life more and I became a better leader um, and the world didn't fall apart. And so finding that balance, being okay to, to say to the people around you that you've got to go pick the kids up from school or you've got to go and play footy because it's something you still do and it's still really important to you and it, it helps you relieve stress, whatever it is, um, I think it's really important to, to make sure you have balance as well. So I would say growth mindset, keep learning and find balance and then being okay with failure. The third episode of this first season was a wide-ranging and relatively fast-flowing conversation with Ben Bowen, an Aboriginal leader who founded an organisation called Shared Path. And in this very broad conversation, we touched on a number of themes, including lessons on sustainability and resource management from Indigenous culture, communication and engagement reflecting on Aboriginal methods of storytelling and of technology and how Ben and Shared Path are working in a global network within one of the United Nations permanent forums to build technology platforms which enable the protected sharing of First Nations knowledge and how that can be applied more broadly to any number of positive, better world-leading initiatives. And on the leadership front specifically, we talked about how leaders can better inspire engage and perform themselves through interacting with leaders on all levels through spotting what Ben described as the hand-holding opportunities within small networks. So just to touch on some of the specific themes, essentially one of the overriding ones was collectiveness and how collaboration and essentially sort of looking at business and organisations and systems as a, a, a way of charting what are the biggest solutions, not focusing on the smallest problem and looking up the chain at how high you can reach and influence and contribute towards that bigger solution. And essentially, the specific phrase of Ben's was that together is how we will achieve the bigger outcome and reach and activate those great solutions. And then coming into the, the leadership element, this key message around each individual being a leader in their own network and that great leaders are able to link those networks to communicate with super efficiency and power and really drive momentum. And that in order to communicate as a leader, especially today, you need to really evoke more personal stories and use a lot less rehearsal. And the stumbles and the fumbles, that's all part of it. And that is that is part of being a great storyteller. And that one overall paradigm was that in business in particular, how about we change the paradigm and we change the thinking to be around having a specific growth target and that the overall objective should be to hit that and sustain it rather than exponential and perpetual growth. I'll let Ben take you through some of that in this short extract. For us, I think leadership is, is a is a is a really a rabbit hole. You can follow things down it really quickly and get distracted and we can lose what we're chasing very quickly. And, and I think in what we're seeing at the moment, it's probably a really good snapshot that where when we're looking at leadership, we hate the over-practice, um, over-rehearsed 
delivery of information that we hear from some politicians and, and CEOs and because it loses that um, human aspect of communicating to someone. You're not, you're not looking someone in the eye or you, you've rehearsed your speech so much that when a question gets asked in a slightly different context for information, you can't answer that because you're not across your content. You're across your rehearsed speech. So what, what I'd really encourage people to do is start looking at how, how you ensure your human aspect of your communication and it's looking at your vulnerability and the, there's a lot of great examples of this sort of stuff and, and I, I see it in our communities all the time that we, we have um, not just our elders but even younger people standing up and, you know, and, and looking down the barrel of a camera or, or looking at an audience and delivering a personal story or a, a really powerful image of why they're giving the information they're about to disseminate to you and it gives you this context and it gives you this person and, and this humanity that you're grabbing onto this vulnerability that then when you're getting the information even if it's a little bit more rehearsed it's given you this context of where it's come from and, and that's a really powerful tool it can be delivered really badly and I, th I think that's what we're seeing in the world of politics at the moment where politicians try to create a false narrative around the background of their policies and then try to give it that way. But when you've, when you're honestly built into this model and you stand up in front of someone and deliver a message, I think that's probably the best way to gather a team around you or give people that information where they can understand how to connect with you as a leader. That would be my number one point vulnerability um the second ones i would touch on is is understanding what leadership actually means to people um is is totally different and it's it's touching back onto the technology now we're, we're in a a period of data growth that's exponential and you know we're tripling the rate of human data on basically a three-day period now of history. So we're rapidly developing so much more data and content out there. How much of it is true data and correct data and how much is false is to be argued. Um, but what's interesting about this exponential growth in data is it's between 80 and 90% of it that is daily produced is visual, unstructured data, so video or image. And a lot of what we're looking at now with um, leadership, which is a verbal communication, is we we are quickly to leave behind the the visual concepts of that leadership. So, looking at the visual concepts of leadership, and in the Australian context of that, is we look at um, how quickly we are to dismiss or judge people. Like uh, Prime Minister at the moment, the, the perfect example is the smirk or the handshakes or the fact that people didn't like Abbott because of the way that he walked or, you know, Rudd flicked his hair too much. That You know, those things were the undoing of a lot of people and it wasn't that we dismissed the content of what they were saying. It's because we were judging them by this measure, which is visual. So understanding 
when you're a leader is how you stand. Do you position yourself behind a screen or in front of people? Are you standing up when they're sitting down or are you sitting down with people? It's, it's connecting to people on that really genuine level is this key concept of that sort of visual leader. And finally, it, it's building momentum. It's understanding basic physics. You know, to start something moving or to slow it down or change direction is where the energy is spent. And as an individual leader, you can't necessarily do that. So it's understanding how you build those around you to help people all row in the same direction, so to speak, or change the direction of a project or a message. It's understanding how you can best do that. And it's not, once again, it's not that calling the shots and telling people what to do. It's about being vulnerable, having that conversation, connecting with people genuinely allows you to then empower them to start helping you steer this ship and speed it up or slow it down when it needs to happen. In the fourth episode of Better World Leaders, the conversation was with Alison Fisher, who shared an incredible journey of surviving abuse whilst continuing to lead throughout as a customer engaging executive in an American corporate. Now, this is a very important message to reflect on as teams start transitioning into work and individuals re-engage in society, considering that tragically, the pressure on relationships has been immense and for many tensions are running at an all-time high, meaning that domestic violence has seen record levels in recent months. And as a leader... I think it's important to be especially aware of the challenges that your teams may be bringing with them as they re-engage with you and their colleagues. And Alison had some great advice about how being a compassionate leader as well as a fantastic perspective on leadership overall. Now, here's a few of the highlights from the conversation. That in Alison's view, everyone is a leader in their own right and that being a leader of leaders is about allowing and enabling people to step up and flourish and that collectively we can make change. Each individual has a voice, but collectively we are better. And that great leaders create movement, not because it's about them, but because it's about the greater good. It's not about you, it's about the end mission. And that in being a great leader, you put your own needs aside and support others effortlessly. And one model in particular that Alison has developed for this is EPIC, that leaders should be empathetic, present, intentional, and connected. And I'll take you now into a brief extract from this conversation, this very, very passionate and evocative conversation with Alison Fisher. It's um, extremely important. Um, if you are not in tune with your with your staff, with their ups and downs, with what's going on in their, their personal life in order to pick up on those, those cues, um, then you, you won't know what's going on. I mean, it's possible to your question before that I was acting differently in my mind. I was not. Um, but if someone was working closely with me, um, and I did not have good leadership at this point in my life, at my company. Um, but if someone was really in tune to me, they might've noticed that I was distant. They might've noticed my face, for instance, you know, I wasn't in hiding. Um, you, you need to be in constant contact with your staff. You need to listen to what they're saying. Um, physical cues 
um, on how someone, and it's not just verbal cues, but it's physical cues on how they're interacting with you, how they're interacting with others. Um, you know, being transparent in your leadership style, I, I call it, I coined it epic um, a while back. I did one of my very first videos on LinkedIn was I did four videos on, on how to be an epic leader. It wound up being a great acronym. Um, empathy. Okay. So what's epic? epic what's epic leadership? Empathy, presence, intention, and connection. I, you could pick other words, obviously, to find EPIC. But to me, being empathetic and being present and being intentional and having connection with your team, and that carries over to your client too, are four key traits that I think all leaders need to exhibit. Um, I mean, empathy stands for, it speaks for itself. Um, and empathy is really putting yourself in the place of others, removing judgment. Um, I think, you know, people don't understand, really understand what empathy is. It is sitting with someone and understanding, trying to understand what the other person is feeling, not from your point of view, but from their point of view. Um, being present, um, is truly living in that exact moment. What is going on with you, with your company, with the other person in the moment, um, being intentional with your actions, having true clarity on the decisions that you're making. Um, connection is human connection. People need um, compassion, connection with one another. To the point that you were mentioning before, it's people have friends at work. People work, spend most of their time at work. They need to feel a connection to the company, to the company's mission, to their leaders, um, to the work that the company is doing. They need to feel involved with the overall mission of the company. Um, all of those things are important. If you have those qualities, you can add active listening. I mean, there's so many other things that you can add to the list, but for me, if you use the acronym EPIC, um, it's, it's, it's a great guide to help you stay connected with your, with your team. And I don't, I don't think I had that. I don't think I had that in the leadership, um, which is why they didn't pick up on the cues with me. They didn't pick up on what was going on. You're not always going to have team members who openly share with you. It's just, it's not going to happen. Not everybody is, um, is comfortable sharing, but it's your job to ask questions. I think it's a job for leaders to rally the troops around um, a common goal. Um, and that does not mean that you as the leader are supposed to be the center of attention. You need to be somewhat in the background, you know, creating the purpose, um, maybe silently creating the purpose, um, creating an energy around that purpose, making sure that everyone understands the, with clarity, what your, what your intention is. Um, and then setting the tone so that people can hit the ground running and, um, and achieve that goal. So you need to have a catalyst, I suppose, for most, um, most missions in life, uh, most exercises in life. And usually there's one voice, maybe that starts that, but collectively we affect change. So every voice matters, um, but collectively together we are better. So everybody in effect is a leader in their own right. Um, 
no one should really be taking the spotlight away from the next person. It is not about you. It is about the, the end mission. Um, it's about bringing people up. It's about making people better, making the world a better place, supporting each other. Um, and great leaders do all of those things. They put their own self aside to support others, to have, to bring up others. Um, and it's done, I think, without effort. It's, it's done, um, sort of naturally. And I think the best leaders are, you gravitate to them. There's sort of something, there's an energy about them, a humbleness about them. Um, you know exactly what they're there to do and they have people just following them, um, unintentionally. It's just, they're, they're so clear in what they're trying to achieve, um, that they create a, a movement around them. Um, but not because it's about them, but because it's about the greater good. So that concludes the reflective part of the episode just looking back and sharing some of the key themes and highlights of those four episodes broadcast so far. I hope you've enjoyed that. And if anything in particular has, you know, sort of aroused your curiosity, of course, you can track back and listen to the conversations in full. So what lies ahead of us? What do we see when we look forward and in the four episodes to come? Well, without giving too much away, we've got a varied and really fantastic selection of guests we've got the managing director of panasonic's cold chain business talking about refrigeration and how something like refrigeration can in many many ways help the world get better that's sharif hassanain a leader that i've known for a long time and not only does he lead a business which is very much at the cutting edge of how a fairly you know sort of i would not say you know sort of disinteresting but a very you know sort of established technology like refrigeration can really be on the cutting edge of improving things and making the world better. We've got a conversation with one of our team at 4i, who is a world record holding skydiving competitor um, and a transformational leader, Barbara Meister, and with some fantastic advice to share on transforming organizations and being a high performer yourself. We've got a conversation with a woman that I met many years ago who has gone on a not dissimilar journey, I would say, in some ways to myself, but now leads a fantastic organization focusing on improving female executives and enabling them to perform at the highest level, Victoria Foster of Future Women X. And finally, Rachel Abel, uh, a local Australian fellow podcaster and executive leadership coach who has her fascinating interpretation of how leaders can make a positive change in the world and i'd highly recommend that you also check out her podcast the missing piece that is what lies ahead of you in the remaining four episodes of season one of better world leaders that concludes this episode the halfway point of this first season of Better World Leaders. Thank you for your time and attention. I hope you've enjoyed this discussion, this review, and I hope that if you haven't already, we will have piqued your curiosity and that you will now go and listen to some of these conversations in full because believe me, 
There is so much greatness in each of these leaders and we have captured even just a small amount of it, but that will be sufficient, I think, to increase your capacity to lead towards a better world. And and I hope that you'll agree that we've achieved our purpose today in enabling you to become a better world leader. Thank you for your time and attention. I look forward to seeing you in the next episode and the rest of this season. As always, thanks and great appreciation to the team that brought this episode and supporting resources to you. To Brendan Ward for production and original composition and performance. To Sarasa Design for logo and site graphics. And to Knock Knock Studios for website design and management. You'll find audio and video recordings for this episode as well as links and related resources mentioned today in the podcast area of 4iLeadership.com backslash insights. This is the Better World Leaders podcast, brought to you by 4i Leadership.